Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Kyle Turner. Welcome, Kyle. Hello. How are you? Kyle spent his childhood years in Oklahoma and his adult years in Texas. He was in the Army National Guard for six years as an electronics specialist. He studied at Tarrant County Community College and Stephen F. Austin. For 14 years, he was the executive vice president and manager of six health and fitness clubs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and was in insurance sales for 29 He recently retired and will be celebrating his 70th birthday this month. Congratulations, Kyle. He and his wife, Vernetta, have been married for 43 years. Together, they have three children and three grandchildren, whom Kyle refers to as Super G Kids. Today, we're going to talk about Kyle's great big heart, his devotion to his family, and the role he has played as the father of a daughter who requires around-the-clock medical care. Kyle, despite your dedication to health and fitness, you've spent a lot of time in hospitals where you've made friends with not only the care teams, but other families who have members with special needs. I see you as friendly, outgoing, devoted, compassionate, and a strong advocate. How do you see yourself? Uh, Those things are things, I guess those are the way I I see myself as well, but not on the front end, kind of as as looking back and reevaluating things that have happened in the past. I just see myself as a, a facilitator. You are that. How did you come to be that kind of person? How were these values shaped in you? My values grew as I grew, um, as I needed to have an experience, I guess, then I had to make certain decisions, which were, weren't really decisions at all, if that makes sense. Um, just starting a way to do things and uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way, learned how to change those things and and, uh, try to do better as I was making those decisions. What are some of the values that have been important to you and sustained you in life? Loyalty is a huge, is a a huge value to me. Um, Once I make a friend, I've got a friend for life. I'm always surprised when I see somebody that I haven't seen in 30 or 40 years and we don't just pick up right where we were. I just know people, and that's kind of the way it is. So loyalty is really important to me. Uh, consideration of other people and their actions and their activities and who they are as people. And you've maintained a lot of friends over life. We were talking before the mics went on that you continue to be in touch with people that you met in high school um, and people that you've known in this community for a long time. Why was it important to you to maintain those connections? It just seemed the natural thing to do. It didn't really seem like something that we were working at. It just seemed the natural thing to do, uh, stay in touch with people. And, and when you see people, you just pick up where you were before. It just uh, it wasn't hard work. It was just uh, staying in touch with people and continuing relationships. So loyalty, clearly, is very important to you. Um, and I guess that speaks of commitment and devotion. How did you learn those things? Have you always been that way, or was that something you... When my parents got a divorce when I was young, and my dad's 
words were, and they got back together later on. Uh, but my dad's words when I, when he first left the house were, "You're now you're the man of the family," and I think mm-hmm. I was eleven or twelve years old. Mm-hmm. So I had to take care of my younger brother and my younger sister, and and basically had the same responsibilities with my mom. And uh, I guess that's when they were they were born. Is uh, that loyalty was born? Is uh, you've got to do what you've got to do, and even though I was really young to be doing that. Um, I think that's kind of where it came from. That seems to me like that might be the onset of your caregiving skills, which have served you very well um, as you helped people in your fitness clubs, as you built businesses, as you uh, took care of people through insurance, as you built your own family. So caregiving has been very important to you. Caregiving has always been a big part of my life. The consideration of people around you and what they need and what they're trying to accomplish and how you can be a part of that. You told me earlier Zig Ziglar was an influencer. Uh, that was certainly a hallmark of his work in ministry. Who were some of the other people that influenced you? Uh, just regular, everyday people. I watched them come and go. The banker that was a member of one of our health clubs, the lawyer, the the guy that worked uh, May's Jewelry Store, all these people that would come in and out of our health clubs. I learned watching them in their everyday lives. And uh, there was no uh, real standout people that I that I valued more than others now Zig was Zig was different because I could study his books and his tapes and and that kind of thing and Zig was the man but uh, I learned a lot just watching uh, people just live their life on a daily basis watch their how they treated their families in church and different things like that I love that you are a noticer, and I think that that also lends well to another uh, character trait that I really admire in you, and that's gratitude. How has gratitude developed in you? Uh, well, we've spent about 900 nights in ICU with my daughter, Megan, mm-hmm. and I've got an older daughter, Randa, and mine, my son, Cade, and they're fantastic, fantastic kids, but we call Megan the gift. She is totally disabled at this point. She was a cheerleader in middle school. She has epilepsy, and... Uh, she can no longer walk or talk or feed herself. She can't, uh, she can't, she's less able than a brand new infant. She can't cry when she's thirsty or hungry and, and that kind of thing. Um, we were at a point when uh, we, had, uh, we were demanding certain things from God. We wanted her to be better. We wanted her to be healed. We couldn't understand why all of this was falling down on her. And uh, we were at a destructive point at that, at that moment. And as I was reading the Bible, uh, I read across and it said, be grateful for all things. And it kind of set me back when I realized the word all probably includes things that I don't necessarily like. (laughs) So I began to practice gratitude, not only for the stuff I like, but for the stuff that, uh, that I didn't really like. And it changed my focus. I didn't have to focus on the pain all the time. I could focus on the beauty that was coming from around it. The doctors, the nurses, the the specialists inside the hospital, the equipment, the bed, all these different things. Megan has to have a special formula that's already pre-digested. All of those things, you start being grateful for all those things, and uh, you kind of get your life back. Well, it seemed to me and to a lot of people that were looking that you gave up a lot when um, Megan first developed her epilepsy. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? When did that happen, and what did like life look like at that point? Oh, well, we were still in the health club business. Megan had her first seizure when she was two. Wow. And she's 38, So, and she was having seizures before that. It was just we didn't realize it. Um, 
she was uh, oxygen deprived at birth and it's amazing what one more minute can do um so it's changed her life completely but she had a fairly normal childhood and um but she was always having some form of seizure as she got older they got worse and worse and when she went into puberty that seemed to really set things off um body temperature hormones and that kind of thing and that's when she first started having her tonic clonic seizures and drop seizures and and partial complex seizures and that kind of thing we put her on the ketogenic diet we took uh a week and went to Johns Hopkins, not the keto diet that you see in the grocery stores, but this is a medical diet that was done at Johns Hopkins University Hospital. And it worked pretty well for us for about three years, and then it quit working. And we've spent, like I said before, I think we've spent about 900 nights in ICU and different, in two different hospitals, Children's Medical Center in Dallas. And Medical City, Dallas is where we've primarily been uh, up on Central Expressway at Forest. So life radically changed. At some point, you decided you needed to be home with her. Well, life radically changed one day at a time, sometimes one mm-hmm. hour at a time, mm-hmm. and uh, because we couldn't have made these adjustments. You know, if, if something had happened really quickly. Um, so uh, you, you adapt, you adjust, you change certain things, and, and God provides opportunities that you might not have seen before and might not have considered them opportunities at all. And uh, he gave me uh, an opportunity to, in the middle of what we needed, I learned how to sell life insurance over the telephone. Not my first career choice, but it gave me a chance to be able to be at home. And uh, when my wife wasn't able to be at home, when she was working uh, outside of the home, and take care of Megan. Otherwise, we'd have, we'd have really had some problems. So I was able to make a living, provide a good uh, living for my family, and still take care of Megan. Well, it was amazing to me because I joined this story a little later, and I already saw you in full-blown caregiver mode. And I often wondered to myself, how did you deal with such loss? How did you deal with such changes? But you tell me a different story. You tell me it's a gift. Tell me why. Why do you consider it a gift? Oh, well, Megan is the gift. I love, you know, uh, And you don't think that at first. You don't understand it because you're fighting for, you're trying to, I mean, we, just, we were trying to, we were trying to stop the seizures, trying to get her healed, trying to, you know, doing everything we could medically, spiritually, just fighting and fighting to get it done. And at some point in time, you realize that it's uh, that you're hurting yourself and you're hurting your family. And so we began to, uh, the gratitude thing really started kicking in at that point. And uh, when, we, when we became grateful, then, uh, and, that, and that was confusing to me at first because you're grateful for something that doesn't seem like you could be grateful for. Right. And, uh, but we could find beauty all around it. We could find our doctors and our nurses and those kinds of things. And, and they have ended up being our mainstay. But um, the, uh, the way it has progressed, again, it was just one day at a time. And uh, here we are 38 years later. She's still with us. She is in a very disabled place, but we've all learned a lot. Tell me some of the things that you've learned about yourself and about about Megan and about being a caregiver. I'm lear- I've learned uh, that uh, I can handle a lot more than I thought I could handle, but I couldn't have handled it then. Again, it was one day at a time, and, and the wisdom that you learn and the way you work through these things, you, you're surprised. I know it's a maximum, a maximum 
but a lot of Christians quote, God will never give you more than you can handle. And some people will say, well, look, God will never give me more than I can handle. And I said, how much can you handle? I've had a few people open their eyes pretty wide when I say, well, you don't know how much you can handle. That's not a comforting thing. <laughs> God has a purpose in your life, and sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's not a necessarily a uh, smooth ride. For me, it's been God gives me more than I can handle because then I have to rely on him. What were right, some of the ways exactly. that you learned to rely on God during this time? Reached the limit, uh, reached my own limits. When we were in the health club business and the, club, and the health clubs were about to go away, I, I prayed. There's some prayers that people tell you not to pray, like give me patience and things like that. <laughs> That's right. And I prayed, God, make me into the man you want me to be. Mm-hmm. And he says, but I have to break you from being the man that you made yourself into. And, uh, and our life, as far as our worldly life, collapsed. And that's when our spiritual life really began to grow. Because we, we had no choice. We, were, we lost uh, homes and cars and businesses and, and that kind of thing. And all we could hold on to. Couldn't hold on to me, because a lot of people in this world today think that they are their own God. But no, I had to find this. I'd, and, I'd, and I believed God was a Christian. And I had you know, all the good stuff. But when it got really difficult at that point... Um, had to have God. It was the only way that it brought me through. A lot of people can't say that. Um, so, but you found contentment in that. And you learned, you made peace with that. You don't crave those things anymore. Or if you do, it's not the same way. No, it's not the same way. We were blessed to be able to do a lot of really interesting, fun things when I was younger. And, uh, uh, God prepared me for what I'm doing now. I like to say that God gave me uh, exciting things to do when I was younger so I could do something important as I got older. So it's, um, life has changed. Um, I look at different people and the value that they put on, oh, I got a brand new car and I've got this and that. And I love new cars. Don't get me wrong. You know, <laughs> we've got a nice home. We love keeping it nice. You know, I, I like my new shoes, all the good things, but, uh, but they don't, dominate we've learned to live without them and once you've learned to live without them then it's okay you've also learned to do whatever it takes and some people just aren't up for that challenge they can only give so much but you seem to be able to do whatever it takes where do you find the strength or courage to do that well whatever it takes is uh, whatever's next and you can't really prepare for it but uh, I've, I've had people ask me, have you ever thought about quitting? And I, I wouldn't know how to do that. I just, there's no mechanism for quitting. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do that. I just don't know how. And I would tell them, no, I haven't thought, I've never thought about it. It's not an option. But it is an option. It is an, an option. Actually, a lot of people option. have exercised it. It is an option. But you didn't. And, uh, but not for us, not for my kids, you know. Uh, so anyway, there was no, I'm going to do this. There was never a proclamation or there was never a, it was never anything like that. It was whatever came up next, we just did it. Mm-hmm. And whatever there is a beautiful simplicity that comes in the rhythm of just doing the next right thing. You know, so many of us have a you know, tendency to plan our, month, our life months and years in advance. You haven't had that luxury. No, because we never knew what was going to happen that day, whether we were going to end up in the hospital or um, 
you know, or she was going to be so sick. We weren't in the hospital, but we would miss work that day. We've never had a, we've never had a job. You know, we've had to be self-employed because of her illness. So we've never been able to plan. We put it on a calendar, you Sorry. know. We'll put Sorry. events on the calendar, but uh, we recognize that sometimes we're gonna we're not going to fulfill that commitment because we've got other things going on. How did you let those things go, and not be bitter about it? Priority. It's just priority. I mean, you know, God. Um, excuse me. Um, got to take care of that kid. And got to take care of the other two, too. You can't forget the, course, the other two. So you, I've coached baseball, and we've read all the football games, the cheerleading stuff, and we read all of it. And, and still uh, are. You've got Super Gs. Super G kids. And we're, my wife is mostly at their stuff now because Megan, it's very difficult to get Megan out now. So, so my wife, Vernetta, she's out with uh, uh, my granddaughter, and uh, who will be a cheerleader at Tarleton. Uh, in the fall so she's been a competitive cheerleader and on two national champion competitive cheerleading teams and the, the other two grandkids are just super so we've got uh, my oldest daughter is amazing my son is amazing and my, we've got a we've been blessed with this an unbelievably super son-in-law we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't have asked for we couldn't have asked for for anything better in a son-in-law than we have with sam i like to think you're also surrounded by really good friends yes we are <laughs> No, and that's the point. No, that's the whole point. We've uh, we've never experienced one of these miracles, earth-shaking miracles. But our miracle has been the people, the people mm-hmm. that would would show up and support us. And you look around, and you go, where did that come from? You know, where did those people come from? And uh, we uh, we have uh, we were leaving the hospital one afternoon and pushing Megan out of the out of the room and looked up and there was a whole group of nurses coming down the hall and we were on first name basis we've known them forever they're our best friends and they were laughing and they said no 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 back into the room and we said okay what are you guys up to and they hand us a piece of paper and they'd gone together and gathered money and they'd gotten Vernetta and I a night at the Sheraton Hotel in Arlington so we would have a night alone together and we're thinking about who can we give it to. We're grateful, but we're thinking about who can we give it to because nobody can take care of Megan. And they said, no, 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 that's not all. And we said, okay, well, what else? And they said, we've gone together and changed our work schedules, and we're coming to spend the night with Megan. So we had six ICU nurses come and spend the night with our daughter so we could, uh, we could have a night at the Sheraton Hotel. And our life's been full of stuff like that, just stuff that you can't really explain. It's always been people. And you told me off, Mike, that you didn't even want to go to the Sheraton because the party was happening no, at your house. we wanted to stay there and talk to the nurses. <laughs> Those are our friends. Renetta made up a whole bunch of food. And we were like, no, we have to stay here. No, you guys have to go. They made us leave. So anyway, we've had, we've had a spectacular life. So fun. Well, listeners, we are going to take a break right now. We'll be right back in just a moment with our guest today, Kyle Turner. face life's challenges with grit and resolve and not an ounce of anger, bitterness, or resentment. Through all of the challenges, Kyle has discovered a true peace, joy, and contentment. How? He'll tell you. You'll just have to stay tuned to hear. I am so inspired by Kyle and his story. If you are too, be sure to share this podcast with someone you think would enjoy it. If you haven't done so yet, like, subscribe, rate, and review. 
Visit our site at nis.media to hear last week's guest, Anna Coleman, and any others you may have missed. Summer is a great time to binge listen and get all caught up or hear some of your favorite episodes again. While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter or our monthly Bible study. This month, we're focusing on courage, and as you can hear, Kyle has a lot of it. Join our Bible study conversation when you join our private Facebook group. For all other public formats, Twitter and Instagram, we're Now I See Pod. We look forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to continue this conversation with our guest today, you can find him on Facebook at Kyle Turner. That's K-Y-L-E-T-U-R-N-E-R. Let's hear more from him right now. back from our break with our guest today, Kyle. So uh, we left off at, uh, you were telling us about Megan's story, and to so many people that would seem like such a challenge, uh, because even as you care for her, she's gotten progressively worse. How do you maintain hope? Well, she has Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. That's what she's been diagnosed with, Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, and that's part of Lennox-Gastaut. It's very progressive, mm-hmm. and it's a um, several different kinds of seizures and it's medicine resistant so regular seizure medications don't work for her and, and it makes things a little bit a little bit makes things very difficult um, you know we, we learn to deal with this stuff again I said this over and over again one day at a time and we don't consider her a burden at all and the daily care of her is not a burden at all and uh, so I guess some people would consider it hard, and, it, and it, it is a challenge, but we don't consider her care um, hard. We just don't consider it that way. And yet it's very um, time-consuming. I mean, it, she needs 24-7 care, and it's physically demanding. As you move her from place to place, she's not able to do that, and she can't feed herself. I mean, there's just a lot of difficult tasks that you need to perform. Yeah, and we do that. You know, I think the difference is we there are things we don't do anymore, things we would like to do. Bernetta and I would love to go out to, to eat together, and we'd love to go to a movie, and, and we've given those things up, but we don't consider them a sacrifice. If we consider them a sacrifice, then we're that would make it painful. Mm-hmm. But we don't consider that the, taking care of our daughter is more important than going to see a movie. And uh, so we'll be, we've, we've given that up peacefully. <laughs> if that makes sense. And uh, otherwise, we'd be making life really hard for ourselves. Mm. And we wouldn't be able to fulfill our mission. And God gave us Megan as a mission. How did you help your other two children um, see Megan as a gift and not a burden? They were raised with her. You know, when, when, she, was, when she was younger, we... You couldn't pick her out of a crowd. She was running and playing and having a great time. So they were raised with her, but but she but she was having seizures, and uh, she, they knew how to take care of her. They would, hey, Dad, you know that kind of thing, and come get us if she was having a seizure, and we'd go take care of it. But uh, so they were raised with her. This is not odd to them. This is normal for them. You know, Randa was in high school, so she was a little bit ahead of it. Uh, Cade was younger so he was right in the middle of all of it all the time and uh, 
and he just a trooper you know there's times we would call an ambulance and i tell Cade, i said get ready and he'd go move the furniture so they could get the gurney in, into the house and he would go prop the front door open and here he is about five or six years old standing on the curb at three o'clock in the morning waving an ambulance over so it's just been that's what's normal for them you know so maybe that's fair maybe that's not fair but it's just the way it is mm. you know and they're okay <laughs> they grew up okay pretty good kids I'd like to think that Rand is a better mother because she had such a good example of how to be a caregiver and how to look out for others and how to take care of the people that are entrusted to you. And she's a great mother. She's raised three great kids, and uh, she's in for a little bit of a rude awakening, but she knows it. Her, uh, her, <laughs> her middle child, her daughter, is uh, just graduated from high school, and she's leaving for college in the fall, and that's going to be a real adjustment for Randa, but she'll be okay. She's a great mom. Well, and change is hard, um, and as you have moved through various changes in your life, but staying the same is also hard. How have you dealt with the monotony of the sameness every day of the of the care that you give and um, the routines that you go through to protect Megan's health? How is that not being monotonous? It is monotonous. Okay. You can't avoid that, and it's it's got it's it's got its it's got its pain of anything becomes boring uh most of it is by rote you do it without thinking about it and as once you do it it's okay you know it's okay um you know i guess a nurse's life is is monotonous too though because they're taking care of people in the hospital and that kind of thing that people go to work and doing the same job for 30 years monotony is kind of the way we have to learn to live isn't it i guess so so um i don't think of it like that really it's just that okay, she needs, it's time to feed Megan. She's having seizures. Give her medication. And then you go on. It takes 10 minutes to give her medication. You sit with her a while. The seizures stop. And you go on doing what you're doing. But we have to stay close because she is, she is a moment-to-moment situation. Mm-hmm. We never know when she's going to start having seizures. What advice would you give to other caregivers or maybe just entering this journey and they're overwhelmed by the demands and the changes that are going to need to be made? You'll grow. You'll grow with the job. You know, there's nothing there's nothing that I can say that will prepare you for it because you're going to run into new different things every day depending on the person that you're taking care of. I mean, it might be your mom or your dad. It might be that you're doing it as a job, you might be a nurse, a caregiver along that line, but it's going to be new and different every day depending upon the person and uh, circumstances change and that kind of thing. The monotony is going to be there, but again, we all deal have to deal with monotony, don't we? So um, be, care, be kind, uh, love the people that you're taking care of, get you some friends close around, uh, develop friendships, relationships, people that you can talk with. Uh, we've got nurses that will come into the room and sit and visit and we've been kind of out on our own island there for a long period of time and once we're back in the hospital two or three o'clock in the morning uh, two or three of the different nurses will come in and just visit 20 or 30 minutes an hour at a time once they've gotten their job done and it's so cleansing Uh, it just uh, puts things back in proper perspective gets me my well my foundation and uh uh, it's a valuable thing. So friends, relatives, people that you can rely on that will actually listen to you because there are people that you would think they're the closest people to you and they don't hear you. And uh, so it's not always easy to find exactly the right person, but 
God will provide that person. We have never gone looking for people, but we've always had people. Mm-hmm. That is so comforting and so reassuring. You uh, recently had an incident where you took Megan up to the emergency room yet again, um, and I'm sure it was stressful and it was uh, scary. Um, but when you got there, there was a nurse who greeted you. What did she have to say? Well, we were we were actually there for 40 nights in the hospital. In the first um, couple of weeks, we were having to we were having to be on a different floor. And then they opened a, f- a bed up on the NBICU, which is our home floor. And a, a group of nurses followed the bed up with my wife. And when the door opened to go into the NBICU, we were greeted by Janie, who is, uh, has taken care of Megan hundreds of nights, mostly in a supervisory perspective. But, uh, but she's taken care of her over and over again. She was there, and she said, she said, and I can't hardly get through it. <laughs> she said, come on. She says, come on, darling. I've got you now. You're home. And uh, Vernetta started crying. And when she called me and told me what happened, I, it, I couldn't hold it together either. Because having the people that you know that you can, uh, that love her as much as we love her and have taken care of her for so many years. She's been taken care, care of on that floor for 16 years. Uh, and hearing that kind of love professed, Mm-hmm. is really helpful mm-hmm. coming from someone that has no real reason to love her except from a professional standpoint but uh but they love her they absolutely love her and it's it uh it's unbelievably comforting and uh, relieving at the same time mm-hmm. i think so too um and you tell me that a lot of people are just drawn to megan even when you're out at the mall uh, you told me a story before we got on the mics about how people just come up to her and want to touch her and well, want to pray for her she's she's very special and uh we've always thought so and i know everybody thinks their kids are special but, but god prepared megan for what she's going through that she couldn't go through the things that she's gone through without god's strength and the spirit of god just is all over her and we can many times i've been out at the mall Renetta's going in and out of the stores, and I use the wheelchair as an excuse not to have to go in. And uh, sure it comes out. Yes, <laughs> I don't hide that either. But they—I'll uh, be leaning against the wall, and and Megan's right there in the wheelchair, and I can look across the hall and see people see somebody walk past, and then they'll look over at Megan, and then they walk past going the other way, and they're staring at her, and then they'll stop. And I'll lean down and tell Megan, Megan, you're about to make a new friend. And here they come 20 or 30 feet across the mall. And they'll, every time they'll say to me, I don't know why, but I just had to meet this young woman. And it's, she's just special. She's, God has taken care of her. He's been with her the whole time. I just love that story so much. Well, as we uh, close out our show today, I'd like to um, ask you if there's anything you'd like our listeners to see more clearly as a result of our conversation. You know, the, the thing that I've learned most, the most valuable thing that I've learned is the power of gratitude. It sounds like a simple phrase, but when you start digging with gratitude and seeing how it really works, being grateful for something like my daughter's seizure was a very difficult thing to understand at first. God really wants me to be grateful for this. And I'm not sure he wants me to be grateful for the seizures themselves, but all the collateral beauty around it the doctors, the nurses, even the hospital rooms, the technology. You can find a million things to be grateful for. And as long as you're looking for it, as long as you're finding these things to be grateful for, you can live a normal life under almost any circumstances. The pain is still there, and you still have to deal with it. But you can live a graceful, 
grateful life and, and, and actually draw people to you because you're grateful for who they are and what they've done for you. And she has done beautiful things in you. I've so admired you and uh, the way that you've been devoted to her and to your family and to your community in the Thank midst you. of this. Um, so this show is going to air just before Father's Day. Would you have any recommendations or any advice for fathers, especially if they're in a difficult season? Fathers, realize how important you are. Your job is really important, and Mom is always busy doing her part, and sometimes you don't think you've got that much that you need to be adding, but uh, the kids need their dads in a very special way and uh, uh, coach their teams, do everything you can, be involved in their lives every day. And it, it makes a huge difference to them, but it's going to make a big difference to you as well. Thank you so much for your good advice, for your time today. I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Thanks. And listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week. sometimes happens that during our break, our guests will say something that is just so good, we wish we'd kept the mics on. In this case, we did. And we want to share it with you at the end of our show today. The only, the only thing, oh gosh, there were, there were few, few things. There were, there were a few things that we wanted, primarily the good for all three of our kids. Yes, and, that was another thing I wanted to talk and, about too. You know, because focusing on all three of them, it was, it was it was very easy because you 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 focus on the kid that needs the most right and it's not because like you, you have to it takes you all your time and energy and 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 thankfully uh, our other two kids that was never a problem for them it I wasn't it too. wasn't like they got jealous or they felt left out or they felt shorted Cade would throw in Cade when he was about that tall Megan would go into and this is we were still calling an ambulance we don't call it ambulance anymore but we. We'd be on the floor dealing with seizures, and we'd call 911, and then I'd tell Kate, okay, Kate, get ready. And he would move the furniture out of the way, and he would prop the front door open. Three o'clock in the morning, here he is, a little white-headed kid. He's standing on the curb, waving the ambulance in. And he'd go in and in the ER. We'd take him with us, and he'd go in the ER, and he'd play with the nurses. And then he'd, we'd look up, and he was asleep under the bed, you know? But he never, he never, ever said, why don't you pay more attention to me? You know, but I, I coach his baseball team and all that kind of stuff. We didn't let that go. But, uh, and Randall, she was a little older, so she was already in high school, and she had a lot of activities and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where you want to go with that. Uh, but we, we had to concentrate on the other two. We had to raise two normal kids, and I'm not sure they're normal. <laughs> <laughs> but they're good, good people. I mean, they really are good people. And, Rand, and Megan, I mean, Randa... Is a, is a spectacular mother and a wife, and uh, she's a little knuckleheaded like her dad. And <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, Sam loves her to pieces and still thinks she's the most beautiful person in the world. So, you know, we've just, I don't know, we've been blessed. Yeah, you have. I know. 
Everybody says, I've been blessed. But ours is a little different. We've been blessed. Yours came in a different way. It yeah. came in a different shape, yeah. different package.